I'm here with Scotty once more. Scotty, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yourself, Matthew? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Should we jump straight into what's happening at Belmore? Yeah, we should. We missed, we missed it last week. We can start off with our season is officially over. A crazy run lately, but it's officially finished. Can you believe up to last week we're still a mathematical chance of making it? Uh, no, if you told me that six weeks ago, I wouldn't believe you. Um, I never actually thought we would make it anyway, so it's not massive, upsetting sort of bit yeah. of news. But um, we set for it for a few weeks. It we knew it was. But still, just to be still in contention after yeah. this point with the way the season started, you'd have to be happy the way it's finished. Yeah, well, it's finishing. It created some excitement towards the back end of the season, but yeah. Let's let's move on to even more exciting news and something very exciting. Morgan Harper to debut this weekend against the Brisbane Broncos in place for uh, coming into the side for Dallin and shifting into the centres. He'll become the 800th Bulldog of all time. How exciting. Yeah, it's uh, always great for a uh, player to make their debut, so good luck to... Morgan Harper, and hopefully he uh, shows a good account of himself against Brisbane this weekend. For those from the Bulldogs, yeah, a hundred player for the Bulldogs, so quite a quite a um, special number, I guess, for Morgan. Yeah, it's a nice round number. You can't forget that one. Uh, but also, <laughs> for those who are unsure who he was, he pretty much you could say won us the grand final last year in the New South Cup grand final with his fame, the one one still. What sort of be the game changer? And uh, it was the old fashioned one on one still. It was none of these new strips. It was the old fashioned, just yoinked it out of his hands. It reminded me of like the old Tony Grimaldi still <laughs> against, against Newtown Jets. So if you don't, can't remember who he is, he's the man who basically won the New South Cup grand final for the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem. A lot of, a majority of Bulldogs fans, I feel, have been waiting for this guy to have a crack. So a lot of excitement yeah. around this debut. Yeah, of course, of course. Most of them do know who he is. Now we've gone from the bad to the good. Let's go back to the bad again. Dallin Wittemley has now injured his knee against the Cowboys in the the no try he scored. And Kieran Holland injured his shoulder. Both of them able to finish off the game. However, they won't be playing this weekend. Yeah, um, interesting to see. Uh, Dallin's going to be available for New Zealand for the end of the season. Test matches in the Oceania Cup. Hopefully, uh, he will be. Um, be a big loss for New Zealand if he's not. Kieran Kieran Holland is the big surprise there. Um, saw yesterday that it was a dislocation of the shoulder and it went the wrong way. Normally, a dislocation comes forward of the body or the torso. This one went backwards. So I don't know how he carried on throughout the game. Credit to both of them to actually finish the game with an injury. Both of them deserve. Yeah the tip-off to actually finish the game. Both knowing, oh, I mean, still being a player, knowing that at the time the season's still alive, but for them to continue playing in pain and discomfort, just, yeah, just a credit to both of the characters. It's just what Dean Pay is really installing into this squad at the moment. We'll continue on, I suppose, more bad news. Appy Coruscant, we missed on Appy Coruscant the last minute. The Panthers... Came in, swooped in with a last-minute deal and stole Appy from the Bulldogs. Apparently, reports suggest that he was agreed to terms until Panthers came on. 
Yeah, it's quite annoying, actually. I was really excited for Appy to come to the Bulldogs. Very quality uh, hooker. Um, so quite quite a lot of career highlights. Uh, I rate him very highly, so quite disappointing to miss out uh, to Penrith. I don't know where to now as far as uh, as far as uh, hookers on the open market. Well, Jerry Marshall King hasn't missed a tackle in over two weeks. Defensively, he looks like he's really solid up. When we saying defensively was his weakness for the last two weeks, he's been rock solid for the Bulldogs. So maybe he gets an opportunity to claim it even further to be his own jersey. Yeah, well, that opportunity would be there for him regardless. But we also need to buy. Uh, an extra backup dummy half or a secondary dummy half in case this of one. injury or form slumps. Yeah, that's yeah, it's correct. It's a bit upset, a bit upsetting. Uh, it's but been also, suggested yeah. Seguiaro at Brisbane. Uh, personally, I wouldn't be a fan of that. Um, that's just me. There's a couple of other players up in the Queensland Cup as well mm. that we could potentially get in that position. It's, yeah, it's. He's the top of the, James Yarra is the kind of player that you want his talent, but you don't want his off-field drama. He keeps finding a way to get in the head, headlines for the wrong reasons all the time. Right. And then you also bring him back to Sydney near uh, Corey Norman, where you know those two don't really mix really well. Yeah, they always seem to make the headlines for the wrong re- like wrong reasons, both of them too. And you don't want to. I know it's different teams, but still. Uh, also, in that looking elsewhere, Jesse Ramian also last week. Re- Rejected the Bulldogs' offer to come. To come, that, that there's been reports now today suggesting that he'll be back at Cronulla Sharks, but he's rejected the Bulldogs' deal. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't really think there was going to be much of a. I didn't really see him at the club next year anyway, so not a surprise to me. Yeah, not at all. And then here we go. Sydney Morning Herald reported yesterday. That Michael Jennings declined a deal at the Bulldogs. What's the go of that? Yeah, well, without knowing the ins and outs, it sounds like uh, every player that's coming off contract is being linked with the Bulldogs because uh, most of the player managers know that over the next couple of years we're going to have a war chest in our salary cap to spend. So I think this is just uh, Michael Jennings is playing player manager using our club as a negotiation tactic to get a, a better deal at the but- current club. Well, I'm so because I'm surely that not they haven't offered a 30 plus year old center a contract. No, and it's uh, been the same since he's. I don't think. Oh, he's been pretty good at Parramatta, but he's going back to his best would be at the Roosters, I'd imagine. And that was a while ago, and he's he was in his late tw- mid to late twenties. Yeah, we've been he's had some good out. years at Parramatta, but I don't think he'd be worth bringing across at all. So surely well, not. We've been linked to about 20 players in the last two weeks, so player managers are doing their job. That's all. Okay. So, yeah, let's hope so. That's that's good then, because I was a bit worried that that's who we're chasing. And do you want to finish off with some good one, some good news? you want to hear some good news for the finishing off what's happening in Belmore? Yeah, go ahead. Our captain wants to be a Bulldog for life. Josh Jackson's came out. There's been rumours about him going to Cronulla or South Sydney recently. He's said no. I want to stay the Bulldogs. I want to win a premiership. This is where I want to be for the rest of my career. I want to be a one-club player. Yeah, and he'll definitely go on to do that. Unless do if something it. happens in his personal life, he'll be a, he'll be a Bulldog for life. Uh, it's good to hear him say that. Uh, I, I, haven't, I don't think there's been any real meat to any of the stories of him going to any other club. 
I think the South City one was a was a fabrication from the fake Twitter account as well. So, yes, yeah, there was a fake Brent Reed. There was a different Brent Reed. Yeah, the Twitter handle the same. Brent Reed's got the underscore there, where the, this one didn't. But the Sharks ones came up recently, and I think it's because of the Paul Gallon retirement and the, the idea of they're possibly losing Capewell. So, it's yeah. it's just almost a like for like that they well, might they might write a, a story. The Sharks have uh, got a salary cap penalty for next year too, and they're going to bring in Jesse Raby, and it's highly unlikely they're going to make any other big name signings. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Yes. All right, should we go straight into uh, the last week review? Yeah, we should. Uh, interesting game last week, the final ever game at One Hundred Smile Stadium. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the job done like we did in the first ever game. Yep. Well, how do you see? Sorry, how do you see the game? Oh, it was quite a dull affair, wasn't it? Wasn't there? Yeah. Wasn't one you recommend to someone that you try to make a rugby league fan, that's for sure. Uh, a few okay. contentious decisions. Uh, it's a tight game. Uh, Bulldogs a little bit unlucky to come away with a uh, with a loss there. Oh yeah, there's, uh, there's some I suppose you could say controversial decisions in that game. But I think no more than the Dallin were telling us no try. What was your thoughts on that one? Yeah, ever since. Um, I think about a month ago, Graham Mattersley came out and said that when well, contest, like it's it's not a real yet, but he'd like to talk about it in the off season. When well, uh contesting the ball situation from kick, any minute lock on during the contest uh, should almost just be ignored and uh, allow it to go through. So back to the old: if it looks like a try, it is a try, and don't look for reasons not to give it. Uh, I didn't see a knock-on on the replays anyway, but I'd like to see this potential new rule brought in for ball, for when the ball is being contested and just go through with what, what it looks like. Unless if it's like an obvious or um, like an obvious knock-on, someone's batted the ball forward two metres or something like that. If it's just a little bobble during the uh, contest, it should just be given the all, the all clear. It's part of the contest play on. Uh, but even within saying that, I didn't see a knock on anyway, so it should have been a try, regardless. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I thought it was a try live. I thought it was a try watching it. You, the, you thought the more they're looking at it, the more they were looking to disallow it. However, I was interesting to see Kyle Felt's reaction. The person he's apparently knocked the ball on into, he's got up and started punching. Or he's gone to the ground and started punching the ground and disgusting himself. Yeah. And uh, he's conceded the fact it's a try, and apparently it's been knocked on into him. Yeah, and that's that's why I'd like to see that um, potential rule be brought in for the contest. Like, that knock-on, if there was one, I didn't see one, but was so minute that the player defending it didn't even know it happened. Like, if it looks... Like, 10 years ago... Oh, 25 years ago, the referee would have just said try. Um, so if it looks like a try, it's a try in my book. It should have been a try. How do you, what do you think of that potential rule change? I like it. It's just simple as it. It just means we can just get on with... Get makes on it more simple for the refs, doesn't it? Makes it simple for the refs. Makes it simpler for the bunker. Get on with the game as well. Mm-hmm. Take a look at it. Two looks. Come on and play on type of thing. You know what I mean? Well, if, anyone's been, listening to, if anyone's been listening to um, Take Me Now, I've seen it all podcast from Fox League. It's been a lot of talk on that podcast about the amount of tries scored in the season. It's been uh, 
declining for six years in a row. I think this is one of the reasons we, we scrutinise everything and look for any possible reason that something isn't a try. I'm going to put this out there. Sorry, I'm yep. going to put this out there and say this because I'm a listener to take me now. You've seen it all. As you know, we talk about it a little bit. Uh, yeah. Matt Russell, Warren Smith, Lara Pitt, are the regulars on it. I yeah. want to tag them when we post this. I'm going to tag this in this thing. I want to see what their opinion on it from the Bulldog fans podcast. Is there no tries because of the bunker? Well, is the, the bunker saying, being a factor, a factor. As, yeah. a, as a factor. Sorry, I should rephrase that. As a yeah. factor, is this a, a, a one of the major factors causing for less tries? Is it not just the defence being better and, or attacking structures? Is it because the bunker's looking so much and there's so much technology to look and disallow tries? Yeah, and um, it's a factor. I don't think it's all the reason. The defence and the wrestle and all that is a part of the reason. But um, it's not. I don't, I don't think it's so much the technology. I think it's just the mindset and the way that the bunker are reviewing these situations mm. or are being told to, to look mm. at these situations. And why don't we move on to the second controversial try, which was the, in the 79th minute, which sealed the yeah. game for the Cowboys. Shane Wright, the Michael Morgan hand. Was that a try or no try? Well, I've gone back today in a little bit of preparation for this recording and had a look at it again, and I'm happy to give it a try. In the You're same happy? vein, in the same vein, um, I, I couldn't tell if it definitely did touch his hand or not. Uh, and the referee did say try before no, he, he went said to the no bunker. Try. Did he? Did he come okay. up with no try? I'm sure no, that he came, no, no try. Uh, oh, he did say no try. That's right. Yeah, he said no um, try because it touched, and he told him who yeah. it touched, why he said it. That so if you couldn't tell, that's surely right. that comes I up as no try. Well, I couldn't see one way or the other if it touched his hand or not. And uh, they've changed the the way the bunker works this year compared to last year. The the referee's decision on field doesn't really matter anymore. Where yeah, last year it was if uh, referee said try, like it was a fifty fifty. They go with the ref. Now they can do whatever they like off what they see. Um, but we we're just talking about whether something looks like a try. Watching it live, it looked like a try. I'm happy to go for a try. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But you can see why Bulldogs Canucks be a bit upset and why they didn't get one and then the Cowboys got one. Yeah. Well, under, my real, under my real book, both of them are tries. Um, so Cowboys if, probably win 15-40. If, if our try was no try, then... Maybe that should have been no try too. But these things happen, that's funny. Fair enough. It's not why we lost the game. Oh, no. (laughs) We'll run through the summary. In the final game, we've got one 300 smile stadium. Kyle Phelps scored the first try, which was actually in the second half. Uh, Shane Wright also scored. That was a controversial try we were just talking about. Jordan Kahu kicked... One from one of the conversions, Scott Bolton was able to also kick a goal in his farewell game. And the penalty goals, Jordan Kahu got one in the first half, one from one of the penalty goals. And he also kicked a field goal, Jordan Kahu. Big day for the boot for Jordan. And for the Bulldogs, Jane Ockenbaugh scored in the 54th minute. The conversion was unsuccessful. However, Nick Meany slotted two penalty goals. Yeah, well, or maybe Jordan Kahu might be a player for the Bulldogs to look at next season. I've heard he's off contract uh, one year deal with the Cowboys, and he, he's not been able to find a deal yet. And he's thinking about going to rugby union. So if uh, that's the case, maybe we, can, we can offer him a one year deal, perhaps. Quality Let's player. Put it out there. Well, I think he's a great player. Let's put it out there, Bulldogs fans. We need Jordan Kahu at the Bulldogs. 
Or should we sign Jordan Kahu? Yeah, should we sign why, Jordan Kahu? We might do a Twitter poll, eh? Yeah, we'll do a Twitter poll at the end of the night. Oh, when we we'll post this, this we'll post. <laughs> yeah, when this gets posted, and we'll make sure we'll ask is, should Jordan Kahu be someone the Bulldogs are targeting? We'll see what happens. Yep. Okay, it's your time. Your turn now to pick your Bulldogs part of the match. Yeah, I've, I've got to go with Jay the Locker Ball. Uh, close, to close to 200 metres gain in uh, the game. Scored the try. Um, even throughout the... Uh, especially the first half, I was just watching it and going, yeah, he's a much improved player from last season. Um, and I, I think he's a loud and out first-rate player these days. Uh, I'm going to agree with you for players. The Bulldogs player of the match, Dan Ockenbore. You've highlighted why 196 metres. Back on the wing again this week with Remus in the centres. We'll talk about it later, but uh, I just want to highlight Aiden Tolman and uh, Jerry Marshall King's efforts on the weekend, as well as Raymond Fatale and Mariner. I feel like those three had really solid games, but we say that every week about Aiden Tolman. But uh, we can talk about Aiden Tolman, we talk about him every week, so I'm just going to skip him. I just want to say Ma- Jerry Marshall King kicking a 40 20 out of the dummy half. Well, I haven't, we don't kick many 40 20, so it was refreshing to see, even though nothing came from it for us. <laughs> But in that, just that situation where he kicked the 40-20, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. He, he there, hasn't half. Been, there hasn't been many 40-20s in the NRL this season, to be honest. Well, he, yeah, he's a half. He's a half, like, turning the hooker, using some of his skills that he's got. And that could set him apart at, in the hooker game. Like, you know, being an, an, another kicker on the field for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Taking pressure off the half. And we know we definitely need it, especially with Lachlan Lewis at halfback. We need any, any help we can get in the kicking department. I, I, wonder if he's, I wonder if he's been helping out his half-brother, Benji. Benji's been playing dummy half. Yeah, first maybe. First 30 minutes of games, last two weeks. I uh, wonder if he's given him a few tips. <laughs> <laughs> I want to highlight Rampatel and Manor. Just 10 runs off the interchange bench, 115 metres. And he, got, he had that little knee injury, which is still fine to play this weekend. But since he's been put on the bench and playing in the middle of the field, he's yeah. making a real impact. You can tell he's on the field, not just because of his afro, because of his impact. Yeah, I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, Fatala Mariner and two of Munger's impact off the bench in the last two, three months has been has been really good. And it actually reminds me of back in uh, the early 2000s where we had like, that very that bench that was full of impact. Uh, so, yeah, it's reminded me of that era, so... Good work, those two players, recently. <laughs> that time of the week where, Scotty, you and I have a look into uh, what we call Pup Watch. We've got the results from our lower-grade teams and highlighted player. What have we got this week, Scott? So this week, the Bulldogs went down to the Dragons 24-22. However, the Dragons were actually leading 18-0 at half-time. So it was I a good comeback. Just stop you there. I believe it was twenty four six with uh, twenty or twenty minutes to go as well. Yeah, you'll be right. Yeah, it was twenty four to six. Yeah, just yeah, the summary. Just a massive comeback there. It was a massive comeback. Our first try wasn't until the fifty fifth minute, and it turned out to be a goal kick. Like the Dragons did score five, and they only kicked two from five. But you could just one goal kick from us, but could have ended up in a draw. It was a strong Dragons team, though. They had Jai Field, uh, Dufty, Rebelawa as well. Um, oh, Charlie Runciman, Stephen Mutt. Yeah, it was almost the NRL side. Uh, and the Bulldogs had a few few players out due to various different reasons. Players going yeah, up to top grade good, and injuries as well. Good fight back. Yeah. It was a very good fight back. Uh, 
it's actually uh, funny enough they're actually going to play them week one in the finals, the same team. But we'll talk about it just a tale a bit later. I'm just going to highlight the player of the match in this game. Yep. I've given it to a very familiar name, Danny Falalo. He's been down there for a while, but he's 16 runs, 178, me- 178 metres, 17 tackles, three tackle breaks, 50, uh, 62 metres, po- 62 post-contact metres, sorry, and 56 minutes of football. So long minutes, good effort. And still driving. Yeah. It looked like he really wanted to. I uh, watched uh, most of that game. Looked like he really wanted to make a statement during that game as well. So he's, I'd say, he'd be pushing to to place the top road again shortly. Well, well next year now. <laughs> well, he's he comes with contract this year with no future. Well, no clear that's... future. Well, we we don't know of. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, maybe that's another reason for why he he wanted to give a real good platform there. And then we go into the Jersey flag this week and a very impressive 42-18 to 18 win against the Thunderbolts. The Thunderbolts caused a little bit of trouble earlier this year against the Bulldogs. But yeah. at halftime, the Bulldogs did lead 28-0. It's a good result going into finals, a bit of a confidence booster. But we know the Thunderbolts haven't had a great season, so the competition's going to get a bit tougher for the Jersey flag side. Yeah, but we, we know under-20s level goes uh, up and down throughout the weeks. Uh, very little consistency overall in the under-20s. Uh, it's good to get a win against the Victorian Thunderbolts who beat us earlier. So mentally, a uh, good win. Yeah, yeah. So it's always good to get a win before the finals. But uh, let's take a look at the actual teams reversing in the finals and we'll start off with the Canterbury Cup. It's actually funny enough, the Dragons versus the Bulldogs. First or fourth. Yep, and uh, it's on Channel 9. So a win yeah, here will get us into... Uh, the week, uh, Grand Final qualifier, so yeah. So, but what's well, last year we, we had Panthers in the same scenario, we were fourth, and this is when we won the Grand Final. Well, we actually lost week one, did it the hard way, yeah. Well, that normally, did it the hard way. but it's funny. So, like Matthew said, it is on 1 10 p.m. kickoff on Channel 9, so you can watch it on Channel 9. It's at Campbelltown Sports Ground, uh, the home of one of the homes of the West Tigers, uh. Dragons, it's like we said, it's finals week one, so it's the first versus fourth place. Winner goes through to the week before the grand final, and the loser plays on next week. So it's good to have that safety net. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've got to imagine that uh, in week week two of the finals upways, the Bulldogs will have a, a better team, uh, given the NRL players that uh, potentially could drop back. Uh, just having a quick look at the team lineups this week, it looks very similar to... Uh, last week. Uh, Denny Falalo's out of the Canterbury Cup side for us, unfortunately. Uh, so that's going to hurt us in uh, Dragons, um, that uh, NRL-looking side. That also includes uh, Maranta on the wing. A little forwards, all good. Patrick Kifusi and Jacob Host. A lot of NRL players. But I think you find, like, uh, Falalo was a late inclusion last week. It says, yeah, okay. So he was late inclusion. So I wouldn't surprise me if he comes back later. I'm pretty sure he's just running the 18th man for the Bulldogs on Saturday. So just yeah. wait and see what happens there. So if he doesn't play, I expect him to bounce back, back in the side. He has played enough games. Surely he's played enough games. But the big out for the actual Dragons is Matt Dufty out because he has some, I don't think he's qualified. That's right. Matt Dufty... He confirmed that a few weeks ago that uh, he couldn't qualify for the finals. Oh, there you that's go. why I missed that. Yeah, that's why he wasn't playing fullback. 
if he uh, if he could qualify for the finals, he would have been playing fullback, but they've been playing him at centre and wing to not disrupt the side. Very well. That's that's good. Yeah, well, that's a good out for us. Even on the wing, he's a dangerous player. Speed yeah, to burn. Strong, strong side, anyway. Uh, the Dragons. And uh, J- Jersey flag, uh, the Bulldogs. Elimination final against the Knights, so must win that one. 5.10pm. Uh, on Campbelltown. Both yeah. on Sunday. Cool. So that's uh, Pup Watch. Uh, old Dog, Scotty. Who have we got yeah. this week? we got David Stagg. You remember uh, Staggy? Oh, he was a legend player, wasn't he? He was a legend for both the Broncos and the Bulldogs, and that's funny. That's the reason why I've gone back into my little th- my little themes again. You know I love my themes. Well, you do in this segment. Yes, this is where I get. To, I like to link a little bit, and I know we've. I know Stags played. Uh, uh, 93 or 94 sorry games for the Bulldogs between 2009 and 12 and he's played 112 for the Broncos between 2003 and 8 and then finished his career from 13 to 15 but I don't know I feel he was definitely a better player I, I, not definitely I shouldn't say definitely but I felt like he was had his better time at the Bulldogs especially when he first came in that 2009 and 10 uh, I thought he was a pretty consistent player for his entire career stage. Oh, I, uh, I did too but it just felt like the 2009 side, I feel like when we went from 2008 wooden spooners and he came in 2009 and then it was just a switch. I feel like he's one of those players, professional. He was he already won a grand final very young at the Broncos. Yep. He's a winner. I felt like he was one. I feel like no one gave him the credit he deserved in that in that tenor. And I think he was a massive part in the tenor oh, of the team for being a wooden spoon. Uh, he, to he, a, was, he was toughest. Threat. He had the toughness to a pack from the lock forward position. Um, and I said, a big figure concussed a million times in his career. Uh, <laughs> uh, he played in that 2012 final loss. Um, I just remember, if it just come to me right now, you might remember this, but there was one particular game where Staggs had a, had his hair long and he got hit quite hard. Mm-hmm. He fell to the ground, and the way he flopped to the ground, it looked like he was down to the count. Uh, yep. <laughs> knocked out. <laughs> And then just jumped back up. But yeah, if anyone remembers that, I remember, I remember having a laugh about that. I remember but, it was the Bulldogs Sharks game at ANZ on a Sunday, if I remember correctly. And he had his jersey ripped <laughs> as well towards the end of it, where he had a thread holding it on. And the referee tried to get him multiple occasions to switch his jersey. But he's too busy tackling or running, taking hit ups or taking runs. But I think another underrated feature about his game was his ability, his ball playing ability. Yeah, he had a great. Tip-ons and late passes. Yeah, and then the um, fierceness just to run like a like a prop. Like he almost looked like a five-eight in some senses. Then he was running like a prop. I think he had it all. And it was such a shame that he's only played one game for Queensland. When I felt like I know it was a dominant period, but it, surely he could have got another handful of games at least. His footwork laid at the line as well when running towards the fence was uh, was quite impressive. He was uh, definitely a favourite of mine, as you know. Loved him. Yeah. He, he was an old... He's one of those uh, tackling workhorses, too. Once he had 50 tackles a game, plus oh, yeah. um, David Staggs. Put him out there just for his defence. <laughs> and he just played 80 minutes to make those 50 tackles. In 2009, he led the tackle count. And he was a large way ahead. <laughs> and even when he... Towards the end of his stay at the Bulldogs, and he was coming off the bench playing 60 or 50 minutes or so, or when he started yeah. and went off early... He still he was made like up 35, 40 tackles 
Yeah, he made up for it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, and even, yeah. And he was still, to me, I reckon he could have played 80 minutes, in, to, well, definitely towards the end of his Bulldogs days. It was such a shame he didn't get to finish at the Bulldogs. Yeah. Fortunately, that's the way it goes, though. Uh, no, I remember speaking right. to him back then, too. He, was, he wasn't too impressed about not being able to play the 80. No, he was always said that he was a better... He felt like he was an eighty-minute player the way he suit the team because he knew he wasn't a massive impact where was, he could. Was that the Was that the Kevin Moore days? Yeah. So, yeah. So what? Well, he what really started his non-bench was when he came got an ankle injury. Yeah, and well, Kevin, Kevin Moore was the coach, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It was Kevin yeah. Moore than the Jim Dimmick type of the days when he got that ankle injury and he was coming back now playing off the bench or they started him at lock and then Des Hasler. I originally started in the season, but then Desi put him back onto the interchange bench for a few weeks, naming him like 13, if I remember correctly, but putting him on the interchange bench with Greg Eastwood starting, and then basically putting him on about the 18th or 20-minute mark and then playing him out for the rest of the game. Yeah. So it was like, start with a big impact with Eastwood and then switch it up with workhorse through the middle and maybe try to counter-attack team's impact. That was like his role, was to... Titan of the fence. But you can tell when we were on our best in 2009, when we go back to that year, which was a great year for the Bulldogs, especially the turnaround, was when you could see he was like the chief leader of the defence. Yeah. He set the line speed. He set everything. Uh, he was working both everywhere where the ball went. He was there making the tackle. And he was pushing players out of his way and pushing where to go, where he wanted to. It's like he was the, some commentators called him the, the defensive captain. Almost. He was, yeah. he was uh he was invaluable at his time at the club for sure. You wanna add anything else to the segment, Scott? Oh, the only thing I could add is uh we miss you Staggy as a game. <laughs> <laughs> Both yeah. Bulldogs and Broncos. There's not too many tackling workhorses in the game anymore, is there? No, Kimber Mechanis. And uh, yeah. a few a few hookers get up high, but not to the extent that we used to see Stags or Fensum sort of do. Yeah, you're, you're exactly, you are spot on. Like the Fensum Stag, we just almost wish that Stag was back at 25, 26, playing for the Bulldogs again. He would definitely, you know, was, throughout the year, we wouldn't have had some of the defensive, like defensive issues we had at the, in the middle patch of the year. I'll tell you that. For- Time for Teamless Tuesday. Scotty, take it away. For the team this week, like we mentioned before, there's no Dallin McKinley's left back, so Will Hopper White has gone back to fullback. The wingers are Nick Meany and Jaden Ockerball, your man. The centres are the debutant Morgan Harper and Remus Smith. He shoots to the centres. Five-eighths, four-and-a-half halfbacks Lewis. Up front is Tolman, Marshall King and Napa. The second rowers is inspirational captain Josh Jackson and Corey Harianaira. Our lock is Adam Elliott. On the bench is Jack Cogger, Renoff Tulamunga, Raymond Patel and Mariner, Chris Smith. And the reserves for this week are Denny Falalo, Isaiah Tass, Farmy Brown and Ophiki Ogden. What are your thoughts? Well, is Jack Cogger going to get any game time? <laughs> Probably. Well, you've got, you got to say, no, he won't if uh, Mark's three weeks ready to go off. Yeah, I just feel like, well, especially the Eels game and the South game, it went everything that game went against where what he could have brought to the table. Mm. It's just like everything went away from what he could have brought. So, mm. I'd like to see him actually get a run. 
surely he gets a run if I see on the bench. Like, even if they're playing 20. Put him on a half day. Anyone that's uh, listened to the podcast knows that we're in favour of him being the starting halfback, so I don't think there's much much there. What about uh, the fullback decision? Hopper, why do you have a melee? What are your thoughts? I think Hopper's been fantastic the last few weeks. Yeah. But I don't know, I like a bit of speed in the back. I mean, Hopper's been making metres and all that, and I thought maybe if you've got a good thing, why change it in the centre stage? And yeah. Meany's a natural fullback, so I don't know, I like some speed at the back. I think all Nick lacked a little bit at certain games was push support. And I'm sure he probably knows that why he's not got the fullback role at the moment. And he's got Dallin, who's still obviously at the obviously still there. Uh, I'm sure they could work together on the fullback role. So I would have probably preferred Meany. But then you've got the good headache of Ockenborn Smith. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good headache to have because Remus is in the reserve grade. He preferred the centre role, so I guess his first crack at centre. Yeah, um, yeah, probably would have been. Yeah, I probably would have had Smith on the wing, maybe at fullback, Hopper and centres. Uh, you don't know, maybe Hopper and Meany will switch throughout the game. Mm. But, uh, you're probably right about that support player that's lacking from Meany a little bit, and. Um, I was thinking that maybe it was to not disrupt Mini's development as a winger, but that doesn't really make sense going into the final game of the season. Yeah, but not, there's nothing playing for this this week. Yeah, or Pride. Well, Pride, yeah. I mean, no, no finals. What were your thoughts about maybe giving a, a younger player a go? Were you all for that? Morgan Harper? Yeah, well, like, yeah, Morgan Harper, but in this reserve list, like maybe giving Ogden a run. Just for the sake of experience. I know they're in the finals, the Canterbury Cup side, but we know we've got two weeks in the finals, but like someone like an Ogden, another, another run on top grade against the massive Ford pack. Yeah. Who would he come in for? I don't know, maybe Chris Smith. Possibly. But then Chris Smith needs experience as well. I think Chris, actually Chris Smith's been actually fantastic the last three or four weeks off the bench. I think his aggression and defence has been outstanding. That's what I've been doing. He has been good, but he hasn't had a a vast amount of games in his career, so... Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I mean, do you get to the stage... Just a question for you, though. You're the... Let's put you in the coaches. (laughs) You're the head coach now of Bulldogs. Naming this team on Teamless Tuesday, knowing there's 0% chance of making the finals unless three or four teams get done with salary cap. Which I hear is possible. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and you've got players needing off-season surgery. Yeah. Would you Would you just push the surgery a week forward? Yeah, I'd get them ready. For, I'd get them ready for the uh, preseason. So hypothetically, like a top, like you start to think those forwards, especially those, the most strained. Like a, you wouldn't mind Jackson and Tolman and. I suppose well, Corey, Adam Elliott missing a game. Well, maybe you, like a hopper whitey at the back in the I'd have to you'd have to talk with the individual players too because um, the rep season is coming up and the rep season become more and more important to players and fans. So there might be a few players there that don't want the surgery so they can play for the nations, depending on how big the recovery time is as well. So it'd be case by case. But if it was a player that wasn't gonna play rep football and um, needed surgery uh, to be ready for pre-season. I wouldn't mind him sitting out this week. 
Okay, so we'll just say we'll just look at our middle our front three this week. With the yeah. forwards, you know, making like lots of tackles, impacts or hit ups. Yeah. Physical job. Tom and looks like he'll never play any form of rep football at all in his career. <laughs> unfortunately. And not internationally, I'm not it's sad that he's not hit those odds, so he's not gonna play he's not gonna be playing for Australia. You wouldn't think. It'd be a surprise, yeah. Oh, it would be a surprise. Jerry Marshall King might not make New Zealand. I'm just putting him up because he's been injured this year with his knee. And Dylan Arthur probably won't Marshall, play for Australia either. Marshall King won't. He'll probably play. Uh, he'll probably play Braden Smith and Hooker. The Kiwis. Yes, I'm saying. He might be there as a reserve for the squad. But just saying yeah. this three, you would you would mind having them having surgery now? No, like playing Tuamunga, Fatala, Mariner, Smith, and Ogden just to repl- just in Falalo to replace them. I'd be yeah, I'd be happy for them to um to to sit out this week and get ready for the next season. Obviously, that's where the club will be paying for. But just to correct you a bit earlier, Scott Tolman has actually played three games of representing football for country. For country, origin. yes. Sorry, I was <laughs> talking about the origin. Uh, just just mucking around there. Yeah. They're just the same there. So yeah, so you'd say you'd be you'd be okay if a forward pack looking like ran off to Mamunga at one prop Tom, uh sorry. Mariner for for Tyler Mariner at the other prop maybe because he's been playing in the middle. Then maybe or even Raven Tyler Mariner playing second row or something, Chris Smith in the middle, Adam Elliott pushing up something like that. You wouldn't mind that with Falala no. on the bench and Ogden. No. Yeah, okay. What about you? I just think yeah, I, I actually was thinking about it when we lost to the Cowboys. Was if apart from the rep players, if they're good to just go have surgery and just get them back as early as possible, get them done now. They be, should be all right before the, for the first week of November. That's right, and that's when where we're going to start. That's when the season starts. Twenty twenty starts November one. Alrighty, uh, Morgan Harper's making his debut. We've already touched on that earlier in the episode. Great to see mm-hmm. him get his shot. Hopefully, he has a good game. Um, what do you expect to see from Morgan Harper? I expect to see creative, creative work. I, I, I think he's he's not overly powerful. I don't think he's overly the fastest player, but I think he's one of the smartest players. I think he knows when to run out of dummy half. He knows how to catch people off side. Like, this is what I've seen him initially. I can't catch people off side. He's got a good offload in him. He knows how to draw and pass. He's got some really good skills. And what he maybe he might lack in a little bit of pace department, he makes up with skills and footy brains. So I'm expecting to see smart football and maybe catching a few of the Broncos off guard throughout the game. As long as, long as he goes out there and makes his tackles and has a few good runs, I'll be, I'll be, yeah. I'll be happy with him. Oh, maybe a one-on-one still, a match-winning try maybe. That's it. All right. <laughs> you wanted to speak about a funny way the Broncos could miss the eight. Yes, I did. Thank you for reading the uh, run sheet. <laughs> okay. Let's paint a picture. ANZ, ANZ Stadium, Bulldogs win. No, it doesn't matter what the margin is. We'll say Bulldogs win. We'll 36. do a low points. Oh, you're going to say 36. I was going to say 12-8 because <laughs> we've been not scoring many points. Uh, well, you never know. It's the last game of the White just throwing around. Okay, we'll go for a mediocre 24-18. Bulldogs win. All right, yep. The Tigers and Sharks, all they have to do is draw at Leichhardt the next day, and they both make the eight. Yeah, that's right. 
So could you picture them? Could you picture maybe someone like a, I don't know, each time Masters getting us off the way to Golden Point and Chad Townsend catching the ball and just like, just sit almost sitting down <laughs> to get the Broncos out. Both of them make it. Well, I did Jack see someone. Seven. Uh, I, did see, I, f- I think I saw a Newcastle Knights fan on Twitter say that the Knights could still make the eight if the Broncos lose to the Bulldogs, the Tigers and the Sharks draw on purpose, but then both get eliminated for um, match fixing and if the Knights win this weekend. Well, if there is a draw at Lycard, you'd have to think, <laughs> is it almost the, the Tigers and Sharks hate Broncos and say stuff Queensland? <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that would be far from the minds of the players oh, yeah. that are out there. Oh, we'll have to wait and see if he's got on point. <laughs> They're not just going to no, kick off. Yeah. And look, they kick off and sit down for 40 minutes and do the same in the second half for a nil or draw. But wouldn't that be funny if you said you'd do that right and then you never know, like a Benji Marshall stands up or a Josh Reynolds, the grub, stands up and runs and scores a try and they win like 4-0? Well, I'd imagine that the, ref- the referees might blow the first um, time-wasting penalty in about 30 years. <laughs> Well, that would be probably in the 30th minute, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, how do you see... Go... Yeah, that's what I was about to go do that, what you were going to say. I was about to say, how do you see this one going? <laughs> uh, I reckon uh, the Broncos will win, unfortunately. Actually, I want to disagree. I reckon an upset. I've got a good feeling we're pretty good at ANZ. I know we've got no Dallin, we're telling Zesniak. I'm going to go even further. I'm going to say we win by four points and Morgan Harper scores a try. Well, I hope so, but uh, Broncos have been building nicely in the last uh, six weeks or so. Uh, they oh, they couldn't put power in matter. They struggled to put power away, and we did it with ease, really. Well, they haven't done anything amazing, <laughs> I was going to say, but they have <laughs> improved quite a lot, and they've got more to play for this weekend than we do. Uh, a win secures them a spot in the finals. Oh, so, uh, Brisbane, Brisbane probably, that will get them across the line in the tight game. Oh, it's our grand final. I'm going to go Bulldogs in the tight one. We do have a history of beating the Broncos in a final round grand final. Two thousand and two people. We do have a decent record against them at Ains and Same as well. Yes, we do. All right, anything else you want to touch on for this week's preview, Scott? Oh, just I would like everyone to go out to ANZ Stadium. It's final game of the year. It's a long off season. Get out to ANZ and just enjoy soak up the last NRL game of the year. That's all I want to add. Farewell, some of the players. Yeah, farewell, some of the players. Leaving. We haven't uh, got any confirmation yet. No, but make sure you're there. And uh, obviously, as we say every week, or as we as we feel every week, get out and support the boys. It's now that time of the show where it's rugby league world. It's that time when we look at the the whole entire rugby league world. And we usually somehow relate it back to the Bulldogs. But we just look at different topics, what's making the news, and we just have a quick chat about it. Yeah, so so, first... yeah I was just going to say, non-specific, well, non-specific to the Bulldogs news, but somehow we, we tie it back. We don't need yeah. to, we just do. <laughs> yeah, okay, so the first one, is Robbie Ferris seriously going to play? Looks like you for this segment, Scott, you've just got a whole bunch of questions for me. <laughs> oh yes. Anyway, yes. Is Robbie Farris seriously going to play? In one word, yes. But he just come from a fresh league. Yeah, I, I can't see him 
not playing. Um, he's quite he's quite had the the rap of being a very selfish player, and um, even if he's only sixty percent right, I reckon he will play. I do reckon though, if he does play, it's an advantage for Nullah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like when I put my tips in at the moment, I I favoured the the West Tigers and the Pack Leichhardt, but you surely can't have a number nine. Running around, and I want to see what the changes are to the team if he does play. Is he coming off the bench to finish the game? Yeah. But then you can't guarantee him to be put on the field because if it gets into a tight match, which you expect it to be tight, you can't just throw him on there for someone for broken leg or fractured leg. Or does he start for like ten minutes or whatever and take him off? Yeah, well, I don't know if Leichhardt is that big of a um, advantage, Scott. Oh, I don't know, Sunday afternoon, it sold out. It sold out a week before the game started. It's made it almost like an event. There was a game in um, 2016 at Leichhardt Oval in the final round. West Tigers was Canberra Raiders. Yep. Packed house. Um, the sold-out side went up. And at halftime, the Tigers were trailing 30-4 to and lost the game 52-10. to Yeah, but I feel like that's just... The squad they had then and now is a little bit different, but also who the quality they're versing. I feel like the Raiders were a better attacking flair side then. Yeah, possibly. I feel like this occasion, but I'll tell you what, if Robbie Farrow is running out or in that 17, I'm changing the tip to Cronulla. <laughs> so, what do you think he'll play? I, I'm going to say no because I think Michael Maguire might have more. I don't know, just be more stern. I don't think he cares too much about milestones. I think milestones, it's club first, person second with him. Well, too bad JT's not the coach. Oh. We'd know for sure. <laughs> He'll be in Ron Massey. <laughs> no, <he's laughs> All right, second topic for Rugby League World. Channel 9 wanting to move a Sydney team for a second Brisbane team. Mm. Mm. Thoughts? <laughs> Straight to it. I, I don't think it will happen. It's not going to happen. There's already talk in the media hosing this down. Um, the recent talk I've heard is um, the NRL will probably go to 17 teams, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, Could you imagine? Sorry? Could you imagine sorry, having the preseason going into round one and having a bye? Well, it depends how they go into 17 teams. Like, we've talked about relocation before, and we've talked about our preference of expanding to 18 teams. Yeah. Um, go up by two. Yeah, but uh, if it's a hard one. If, if the NRL come out and said uh, 2023, you'll have 17 teams for 18 teams in 2025 because we need that time to set up the other team, then yeah. I'd be happy to go with that. That's fine. Um the only other thing thing. I can think of is if the NRL go to a negotiation table and because the big the big knock on having an odd number of teams in the competition is you don't create an extra game so you you don't create that extra product to sell to TV networks and different digital and radio uh, Mm. providers and, and companies you don't have an extra product to sell. 
But if having a 17th team in a marketplace like Brisbane, which is what we're talking about, automatically gives the NRL uh, extra funding of more than what the clubs get each year, then I can kind of understand it going to 17 teams. That's just um, not my preference. But yeah, I, I don't believe, to get back to the question, I don't believe Sydney team will be forced to be moved to Brisbane. Or I, d- I also don't believe a Sydney team will die so we can bring in a uh, second Brisbane team. Okay, well, I'll try to redo this question. If a Sydney team was told, like, which three Sydney teams, which which three of the Sydney teams that should be concerned by this, and if they were told to move for survival die, which three teams would you say have to worry the most about got to this? Pick, got to pick three? Yeah, got to pick three Sydney teams that have been told if they, if they don't claim they're active up with maybe crowd averages, like, you know, just a sequence yeah. of things, membership numbers, uh, general revenue, or looking after themselves. Which well, three? Uh, I don't know, you might have st- stitched me up here a bit. Uh, there's two obvious ones, uh, Manly and Cronulla, yep. obviously. Um, Manly, more so around... Uh, crowd numbers, facilities, memberships. Um, like, it's a bit embarrassing for a team to be playing out of Brookvale Oval in 2019 and 2020 when you go around the world and see what other professional sporting teams are playing in. You just, just, gonna, you just don't have to go to Parramatta and see. Same thing. Yeah, but, like, I find that when you compare it to other NRL teams or whatever, people have knocks on new stadiums or what other teams are doing, but like if you just look worldwide to see at the state of professional football in maybe even smaller or more or less developed countries than ours, and how much greater it is than Brookvale Oval, I think you find uh, how big of a problem it actually is. Um, the only downside to that is we won't have a team north of the bridge uh, up until Newcastle, so that would that would be a downside. Cronulla. I think they become more vulnerable in the next couple of years. They're already moving away from Pointsmith Stadium for upgrades yeah. to Cronulla Leagues, Cronulla Sharks Leagues Club. And the some of the grandstands. Yeah, which is part of that. Yeah. Um, and also, geographically, they can't really grow. They're already surrounded completely by St. George Illawarra, St. George to the north and Illawarra to the south, pretty much. So um, they, they've got serious problems uh, expanding their footprint going in the future. A third mm. club... Sorry, I just realised how difficult it was. <laughs> Sorry, I realised how difficult it was. I said three. I'll, 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 I'll continue with it. Um, this might be a bit controversial, but I'll have... Like, I don't believe that Sydney should lose... Uh, I think at most uh, Sydney should lose one club. Not more than that. Um, And then I'd also put an asterisk on that um, with like other markets like Central Coast not not counted as Sydney. And if Trinola were to move to the Central Coast and merely were to disappear, that wouldn't be too bad of an overall result. But my third club, I'd have to say Penrith. If it has to be three clubs, Penrith would be the would be the third club. Mm, interesting, Penrith, the West, the, go- yeah, the Golden well, West. The area was Parramatta's uh, first before Penrith even existed. So if Penrith didn't exist, and I, well, I used to live out in the Penrith area, um, 
the problem with pillar the problem with pillar of Panthers have as a as a club attracting members and supporters to the games is that a lot of the people living in Penrith, probably half of the rugby league fans living in Penrith support other clubs already because their families have migrated, for lack of a better word, out west as city has expanded and they follow their families' teams. You can just see the differences of attendances at Penrith for games against South, Canterbury, uh, Georgia Lawara, those type of games. West Tigers. West Tigers compared to um, the the games up against the Roosters or Cronulla or Manly. Those, those type of teams. So I think that's a that's a big draw card. Everyone in Penrith loves rugby league, but not everyone in Penrith, half of those don't support Penrith. And that's Penrith's mm. problems. Yeah, that's interesting. Stacey. So, Do you agree? <laughs> I agree if you say Sydney teams, but wow, wouldn't Parramatta be a powerhouse if Penrith died? Yeah, and taking out the, that the, mountains... The downside, to, the downside to losing Penrith is that Parramatta's got... Um, a monopoly. No, it's, I was going to say Parramatta's got their hands filled. They've already got a massive area as it is, particularly after the Bears left. Um, anyone that doesn't know, Parramatta Junior Rugby League touches on North City Junior Rugby League, or at least did. Um, and then if they had all the Penrith as well, the downside for Rugby League as a whole is they probably wouldn't be able to develop Bathurst in the surrounding areas as well as the Panthers have, have been doing. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Now, the headlines and the reason why I apologise for the question of the free Sydney teams is the headlines, well, the Fox Sports were suggesting, like you said, the Manly Seagulls and the Cronulla Sharks. But yeah. another team they suggested was actually outside of Sydney, and that's why I realised how difficult the question was to ask the three <laughs> Sydney teams. So three of them had to be worried. It was Gold Coast Titans as the other team. Yeah. And Gold Coast just transferring to Brisbane or transferring most of their games to Brisbane was the other suggestion. But like you said, I don't think, I think Panthers, just because they have, like, they've got the Blue Mountains and they've done such amount of work in the Blue Mountains, kind of helps them. Yeah, well, I don't think you could get rid of three silly teams. Oh, no, I'm just saying these three silly teams, if they got told that one of them, the only way one of you is going to survive and you're going to show us why you should stay in Sydney. Yeah. I reckon Panthers have enough. Not if, if the crowd averages are better than Manly. I don't know if in, in Cronulla, but also I think the work they do in the West, because they got such a big area that I think yeah. you just you just leave them, and because they've actually been tapping into it, they haven't. They don't have the big area and not doing anything with it. They're having a big area and doing something with it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want Penrith to leave the comp. Um, no, no, but they're doing such good work. Like, like you said, Parramatta, like. Could you imagine working in the junior league department at Parramatta and having to travel up to Bathurst all the bloody time for every second weekend or whatever? Yeah, or whatever. I just think that they just wouldn't do it. Yeah, it just it just becomes too hard and becomes a cost thing. But our Panthers have been really taking really good nurturing of the Blue Mountains juniors. Yeah. So I think on that alone, even without the crowd and the membership, that for me, Panthers get the tick of approval of safe. So now I'm just comparing the three Sydney teams now. Then you look at Cronulla Sharks. And you go, well, Sharks are probably the better crowd average than Manly. Have a better stadium than Manly. It's a much better stadium than Manly. Then I can say that because I've actually used to work at both venues. Funny enough, on one side of Sydney to the other side of Sydney. But much better venue. Uh, but like you said, it's that air, like, and Manly might survive just because of the basis we need a North Sydney team. 
north of the bridge. Team yeah, well, that's, that's why I suggest a, a relocation the Sharks to Central Coast. And Central Coast works as a branding as well for the Sharks. Central Coast, Central Coast, Coast yeah. Beach. There's a beach there. Yeah, it's not Colour, too far away out of Sydney. The Sharks fans will be able to still go up and support their team after uh, home games, and there'll be plenty of away games in uh, Sydney. In Sydney as well. In, and uh, you've got the, the beachy Sydney as well. Coast. Especially yeah. when the Rabbitohs played the Storm, it was kind of it was a bit of a warmer winter's day. It kind of felt good. It felt nice. That blue can kind of represent Central Coast as well, because like I said, the beach, Central Coast, yeah. famous for a few of their beaches up there. So I think yeah. That kind of works, but I'd say the Sharks would be the first one to have to suggest that to try to knock off Manly. That could be something they suggest. Well, we've talked about relocation before, and um, like I like we've said before, any relocation should be done through the clubs realizing that uh, if they get into a, a dire situation, that they need to relocate or die and decide to relocate themselves, not through some sort of NRL or. Mm criteria or something like that forcing it to happen. Well, let's go to the next part of... Yeah, I was about to say that, yeah. Question. Second team in Brisbane, how do you feel about, regardless of uh, whether it's an 18-team competition, regardless of whether uh, it's a 17-team competition, regardless of whether it's Isbridge or Redcliffe or the Brisbane Bombers, how do you feel about the second team in Brisbane, CBD? I'm trying to views a bit. I actually do like the idea. Yep. I Sponsorship, it makes sense with sponsorship. It makes sense with a lot of things. Brisbane have got so much up their sleeve just being a one-town team and with that massive population and being a rugby league heartland. Which... Yeah, and it, it, I think a lot of people sort of missed the point a bit with uh, one-town team. It's a city. It's a massive yeah. rugby league city. Yeah, so, that's a better word. I think so. That's a better yeah. word. So yeah. one-town city, they've got all the sponsors. A one-team city. One-team city. Sorry, one-town city. Sorry, thank you for correcting <laughs> that. A one-team city. They've got all the sponsors. They've got the CBD. They've got the business things. They've got everything on the doorstep wanting to sponsor the Broncos. They're knocking on the door. Plus, the Broncos have built themselves up anyway, so they're an international brand. Yeah, well, the thing is, so, if the Broncos sign a particular sponsor from a particular industry, another industry... Another sponsor from the same industry can't sponsor the Broncos. Mm. So NRMA, yeah. So NRMA have been the current sponsor. Yeah. yeah so GIO, yeah, GIO might want to sponsor Brisbane too. We we'll call them for now. Yeah, yeah. And that that bring a little bit of spice to the game. I know. I don't know. I, I find that a little bit fun. That if they versus each other, not just Brisbane versus Brisbane. Well, I think. I think it matters on the field or anything like that, but it just means, oh, no, more, I mean, sponsors, just... more potential sponsorship dollars into the game. The build-up, though, I could, the build-up to it would be fun, and I reckon you could get the sponsors really going into it for fun. Oh, of course they would, but yeah. So, yeah, they got the thing. It's not like, unfortunately, it's not like Melbourne, where Melbourne, being the one, a massive city, the second biggest in Australia, unfortunately, that's an AFL heartland, so the second Melbourne team's not even in the picture. At the moment, so but Brisbane, yeah, something there or a surrounding suburb outside of Brisbane, like you can say, it's rich or something like that, where it's just outside, where they can yeah. still pull in, they can still pull in numbers, and they probably will play at Suncorp for most of the NRL games at least. Yeah, so I think we need to have another Brisbane team as well, and, and like a fourth, you said, a fourth Queensland team as well. Like Queensland's a massive state; they've only got three teams. Mm. <laughs> it's a rugby league state. It's I think probably deserves at least four. I think people don't also realise is this 
the if they was a secondary Brisbane team, they call it Brisbane or whatever. That the juniors now are no longer necessarily associated with the Broncos, and some junior clubs can go to the new Brisbane team if it's Brisbane. They could divide. It gives more of a market for Brisbane people to stay in Brisbane, like players coming through the grade instead of having to move down to Sydney or whatever, or even Gold Coast or Townsville. Yeah. Gives them a chance to stay in Brisbane. Also, it stops their dominance over a lot of Sydney clubs when it comes to third-party agreement. Like, I, I only think the only people who won't be happy with the second Brisbane team for most of the points will be the Broncos. Yeah, well, um, the Broncos throughout their entire history have uh, stopped a second Brisbane team. Yeah, so they're, so they're only throughout ones... their entire history, which is why Darren Lockyer's quotes recently in the media about the Broncos always talking in the boardroom about uh, the inevitability of a second Brisbane t- a second Brisbane t- team is quite laughable, actually. Mm. Um, because yeah, the Broncos so much so that when they first came into the competition, the Gold Coast Tweed Head uh, team had to be called Gold Coast Tweed Head and played in Tweed Head, New South Wales, because the Broncos had signed an uh, agreement with the competition to be the only team in South East Queensland. Jesus. So that not only were they against the second Brisbane team, but they were against uh, all of, uh, a second team in all of South East Queensland. Gold Coast, East Richmond. So the Brisbane Gold Coast has really held back the potential of professional sporting teams in that area for their entire existence. Well, uh, there you go. Stuff them. They crushed the crushers. <laughs> they were instrumental in crushing the crushers. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, that's a different topic. Um, yeah, I reckon the second Brisbane team needs to come in. Who, who would you prefer? Brisbane Bombers, Redcliffe Dolphins, Eastbridge Jets? I would probably go with a, a new... So I'll probably go Bombers. I reckon it's pretty cool marketing. I don't know. I feel like that's something yeah. that fun could have been I done can... with that. I think if the marketing team has some fun with home games, with just with the name alone, they can have some fun there. So Bombers I keep, for me. I keep flipping between the two. I'm not sure if a Queensland rugby league fan in southeast Queensland that hates the Broncos or in Brisbane that hates the Broncos for whatever reason. Um maybe because they killed the BRL or whatever. But if, if I'm a Queensland supporter in Brisbane and I hate the Broncos and I want a new team and Redcliffe comes in, but I support uh, East Tigers or somebody, I'm not sure if I would support Redcliffe. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking too. The, they've got a yeah. good supporter base in those that Queensland Cup competition there, which I think is interest Super Super Cup. Not interest Super yeah. Premiership, Super Cup. So The other thing is uh, I wouldn't, against, say, maybe the Dolphins or another team going in with um, the the Brisbane Bombers bid. So if there's some sort of collaborative bid, having the Brisbane Dolphins and maybe Redcliffe's Colours with the backing of uh, the Brisbane Bombers bid might be a way to go as well. Maybe, yeah. Right. I didn't think of it like that. but Well, that way you've got your your development mm. and your all that already, all pathways already set up. Training ground brand that would be good in the NRL, the Dolphins. Um, and you got some history, just uh, but then you also got the whole of Brisbane potentially. Mm. Anyway, let's move on with rugby league world. Yeah, our final topic is another question. <laughs> Sorry, I find it funny. Is Shane Flanagan really going to get cleared? 
and why would the Dragons run him? That's been the rumours lately. Is that they're, they're waiting for him to get Cleveland. Possibly Mary McGregor might be fired before even seeing his new contract even start. And Shane Flagan might be the man to take over that job. Well, they, they want him because he took the Sharks from nothing to premiership winners. But it's already been revealed that he's had a meeting with the NRL. And Greenberg has said no. He'll have oh, to good. sit out his whole suspension. And when is his suspension clear? There you go. I don't even know. I'm not going to know everything. I think he, he's not allowed to reapply to be registered at the NRL until um, 2021, I think. So think of it as, as a sponsorship. I wouldn't want to sponsor a team with Shane Flanagan anywhere in Europe. Well, yeah. Drug cheat <laughs> was involved in that. He was involved in salary cap cheat. He was involved in emailing the club when he was told not to have any contact by the suspension. Well, allegedly. Well, allegedly, but this guy screams nothing but cheat over him. Well, yeah, allegedly. And, and then, but this okay, hypothetically, he gets the Dragons in twenty twenty one. Yeah. So Paul McGregor does a year. Paul McGregor does what Paul McGregor does and does does nothing. Yeah. Same well, thing. He coaches them. If I'm like St George Bank and all that, and but if they went from nothing to everything or like a top eight team, you start the, the jokes were already out. Yeah, but that's already, what you say, and it doesn't yeah, matter know, as much. But an image, though, it's an image. Like, does St. George Bank really want to be associated with a cheater? Well, they've just re- they've, St. George Bank have just re-signed for another two years. Yeah, but that, uh, I think, uh, we don't know the detail of contract. <laughs> yeah, them. well, what it, image? It's, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a mute point because uh, he's not coming back. So. Yeah, okay, but in 2021 he could. Yep, but then he would have um, set out his his time. If you do a crime, you set out your time. Well, you do your time, and then you're allowed to come back. That's how society is. Yeah, I know that's how society is, but it's, society is also a case with that the St. George Bank only sponsor the Dragons because they see the values of the off-field club as they see it, and maybe as they see them as like a family-friendly, uh, a morally correct club. And Shane Flanagan goes against everything what that stands for. Like his well, image... See. I'd suggest that it's not a family friendly and morally correct club by the way their fans behave anyway. But oh yeah, but the way the club might react in certain off field incidences such as I mean like events and stuff like that. Alright, we'll wrap this one up. Just just an interesting one, yeah. Just just think just think about that. Just think about a sponsorship like with a known cheater. Okay, to finish off the episode we've got listeners topics. Scotty, what have we got? Semi Raja coming to the Bulldogs. The rumor is that he's coming back to Sydney, and the Bulldogs are one of the teams. Surprise, surprise, was interested in Semi. Yes or no? Would you want him? Uh, yeah, I want him. You want him? Most of our uh, team are contract in 2021. I think we've only got six players signed. Uh, we've talked about the importance of wingers in the modern day game. Uh, paying a large figure for a player of his. Uh, impact uh, as long as he keeps up his fitness in the next two years, uh, which he has shown he has done in the last couple of years. Uh, he'd definitely be a good buy. What about what's the max you would go though, Mr. Uh, 800, 900,000. 900,000. Okay, well, I say no, I don't want him. Why? I feel like Ockenball will be at the stage of his career where we already have someone like him. Oh. He's coming from Union. Like if I'm if I'm going for semi, I'm going only five hundred max. He's going for the game. Well, then, then no, then 
Because, okay. because I don't think he's, he's lost anything in Union, though, if you've watched him play. Yeah, but the the involvement, though, is going to be different again. So he's going to get used to the fitness well, of the... He's been playing 15s and 7s, so he's had a lot of involvement. But I say no more than 500. All right, I disagree. But what's next? No bad Monday for the Bulldogs, eh? No mad Monday. It's going to be a quiet one of the Leagues Club, what the reporters are saying, where the partners can be involved. What's that? Well, that's probably uh, where the game should be heading. Professional sport uh, needs to probably head in that direction anyway. I disagree. Going forward. You don't need time to. You don't need time at the end of the season to drink and let your hair down. Players do that on a Saturday night. They play on a Friday anyway. So they're at the clubs. You can go see them if you want. Um, but then, then you think. That, see, the reason the reason Mad Monday came in was because the players used to work, so they come in, uh, play the season, uh, do your four days of work during the week, train three days a week, and play football. And you wouldn't see your teammates until the start of next season. That's no longer the case. They're going to see their mates in a couple of weeks anyway. But do so you think it's probably if, if they want to have a party like that, they probably just move. They should probably move it from the day after the end of the season to Christmas time, like the rest of us, and have a Christmas party. Okay. So, but do you think though that the media has just ruined something that's not as bad as what people think it is? Uh, probably. But that's the world we live in. I've got nothing wrong with what happened last Mad Monday. They were in a private room and they did the, all the right things. It wasn't like they were just rocked up into a pub's floor and did it. Yeah, but you've got to react to the world we're living in now, unfortunately, and that's, that's the way it is. Oh, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. I, I want it back. Bring back Mad Monday. Let them have, let them I, I just think it's, it's every year we have some problem with it. Uh, it's just like an unnecessary mark against the sport as a whole to people who aren't fans. So that's why yeah, I'm okay with it I understand. going. But I just, not necessarily get rid of it, just hide it. Put it around Christmas where the media is more worried about the cricket team and the soccer season and they're not hounding our players because because um, the NRL season's coming to an end they've got nothing to write about and the uh, start of the other seasons haven't started. That's where the problems occur, I reckon. But just final question, though. Hypothetically, the Bulldogs move this Mad Monday or well, every club or this Mad Monday to a more family event where there's a bit of drinks but because you're around your girlfriends, your partners, your wives yeah. and other family members that's more behaved. Do you reckon a group of players might say, hey, let's all, go, let's all go somewhere on a Monday and you have like nine, ten football players going out on the Monday. They go on the, they go on the drink. They've got plenty of money. They look stupid. The club doesn't know what's happening because it's in their own private time. And they'll make themselves look like idiots. I'll just make sure they have to be at work all day that day. Well, on a Monday when your season's over, when they get told yep. they're going holidays. I'd make sure, yeah, you've got to protect your image. Most of this is about protecting image. Yeah, but you can't, can't we have, just go... You can't have some, that stuff going on. You can't, can't we go have somewhere down the, down the coast or up the coast, away from Sydney, book a thing there and just do it there for the day? And they're, just stay they're, the night? Under, they're under constant surveillance, wherever you go. People know where they are. So that's why I'm saying move it later in the year. So just the week before Christmas. Yeah, or whatever. Don't tell anyone. Just put it as a Christmas party somewhere and do what you want away when the media's calmed down a bit. Maybe now the obsession of, well, at least not with social media, but the obsession of everyone knowing what people are wearing to Mad Monday might have ruined Mad Monday. Yeah, well. And people's 
tweeted their little their outfits that oh. uh, some clubs go into dressing up into certain things or themes. Yeah, and well, I don't need to dress up to go to my Christmas party, so I don't, I don't understand that. But anyway. No, but the dress-up party, there's nothing wrong with that, but if they're doing a dress-up party for the end of the season, but because they're tweeting about it, Instagramming about it to the followers, that some of them are going, oh, I wonder what this player's wearing and this player's wearing, and then the obsession of what, what player's wearing what. Yeah. And wearing what? That maybe become, it's hurt, yeah. Maybe that's become an issue with, because the players have actually tweeted about or Instagram photos of them and a group of players wearing funny outfits and everyone's like, ha, oh, that's funny. wonder what this player's wearing or yeah. what this player's doing. And because of that, maybe social media and the obsession of people about what players are wearing to their own end-of-season party, which I don't care what anyone else is wearing to the end-of-season party, has ruined Mad Monday for the players. Possibly. All right, let's wrap it up there. Uh, if you agree or disagree with anything we've said, Twitter, at NRL Bulldogs fans, Instagram, at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans, or email us at nrlbulldogs.fans at gmail.com, or go to the Anchor website or app and send us an audio message. We look, forward to, hearing, we look forward to hearing from all of you. Have a, have a great week, guys, and go to the Bulldogs. Bulldogs.